0: let us pray. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days through Jesus Christ our Lord to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Please be seated. In my family of seven, we didn't have a lot of rules, except at the dinner table. Mealtimes, they were very important. And this was especially true when we were younger and our nights hadn't been fully booked yet with dance and baseball and all the extracurriculars. We were blessed to have a mother who could cook and who took delight in making us all dinner. Sometimes my mom would be in the kitchen cooking from the time we got home from school at 2.30 up until the time my dad got home from work at six and it was dinner time. Sometimes she'd be cooking all day, and we'd get off the bus to the smell of dinner and freshly cooked chocolate chip cookies for an after school snack. My mother was and is still a great cook. I wish I could say the same for myself. We were spoiled, and we didn't even know it. We often took for granted her cooking. And so my mother instituted two important rules at her dining table. She had five very opinionated children, so she knew there was bound to be at least one kid who did not like something on the menu on any given night. Most often it was my older brother who just wanted to eat bread and never the vegetables. But each of us were guilty at times of turning our nose up at one meal or another. And so she developed the no thank you portion rule. A no thank you portion is a much smaller serving, one where you can get a taste, even if you had said no thank you to that pesky broccoli. And we were required to have a no thank you portion of everything that she cooked. Some might think, well, this was to keep us from becoming adults who only like chicken fingers and mac and cheese. But it was more than that. In fact, eh, my younger brother, he tried to have just chicken fingers and mac and cheese at his wedding last year. My mother, she was trying to establish in us just a little bit of appreciation for all of the work that she put into making her meal. All she wanted us was for us to eat a tiny, no thank you portion. Who knows? Our opinions might even be transformed after we eat it. We might even decide that we kind of like that pesky broccoli. It was a clever dining rule, but I think her other one was perhaps my favorite and it stays with me to this day. At the end of the meal, we'd all have to wait because you couldn't leave until everyone had finished, which kept some from eating way too fast and others of us from talking too much and not eating at all. So when everyone was finished, you're ready to go You'd look to whoever had cooked the meal and say, thank you for dinner, Mom. I enjoyed it. May I please be excused from the table? Or the shortest version allowed. Thank you. I enjoyed it. One sentence in exchange for those, all those hours of cooking. It seems so unequal now, yet I know that when we were children, it seemed like pulling teeth for my mom to get just that out of us. Thank you. I enjoyed it. A simple act of gratefulness, of praise, that's all she wanted. When Jesus sends the ten lepers to the priests to be made clean, he's already healed them. Jesus hears them, and he sees them, and he's not afraid of them. Others, they were afraid because these people, they were the outcasts, because they were unclean. Think back to those first few days of the pandemic, when we didn't know if you could catch COVID from your groceries. So some people, they sprayed and washed down the food before they ever brought it into the house. These lepers, they were ostracized because of the fears and the dangers of contamination. But Jesus, like the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus, he notices the ones that the others miss. And he heals them. And with that healing, he restores their place in society. He gives them back their identity. That's why he sends them down to the priest, because at that time, the priests, they were the only ones with the authority to differentiate and declare clean versus unclean. So 10 get healed, and only one, the lone Samaritan, returns to Jesus. If you're thinking, Samaritan, like the parable of a good Samaritan, right? Right? You're on the right track there. Because the Samaritans, they were the true others. The unliked, the outcasts. But once again, the Samaritan, he's the only one that got it. The Samaritan recognizes that he's been given his life back. Better yet, a new life. He turns around. He says, thank you. And he praises Jesus. And Jesus does two interesting things in response. The first, he asks, well, weren't there like ten of you? Where are the others? Notice, though, Jesus doesn't scold the other nine nor does he take the gift that he's just given them away he just wonders aloud well she thinks and the second thing that jesus does is he tells the samaritan to get up and go your faith has made you well Interesting choice of words there, Jesus, because wasn't this man already well? That's why he came back to say thank you, right? In other translations, this word well is translated as whole. That there was more to being healed than just those physical wounds. It was a total transformation, a new way of life. Wholeness. The Samaritan turned back. He faced Jesus, thanked, and praised him. And Jesus tells him that his faith, it is his faith that has made him well. A thank you. I enjoyed it, was enough to make him whole. Jesus didn't ask for anything from the ten before he makes them clean. And he doesn't ask us either. He just redeems us. And we get to decide if we want to be part of the 90% or the 10%. If we want to participate fully in that transformation that God has offered to us. Transform so that we turn back and give ourselves to God. Becoming God's instruments of love, peace, justice, and hope in the world. It is through the giving ourselves to God that we live in the transformed well and whole place. And it is where we see the kingdom alive. That with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving ourselves to your service. Those are the words that we prayed at the beginning of this sermon. And they might sound familiar to some of you, because they're an excerpt from the prayer of General Thanksgiving which is often used to close the daily office in our prayer book. And for those of you that don't look at the whole thing, it's on page 101. And it's a prayer composed in the late 16th, early 17th century. might possibly be inspired by a private prayer of Queen Elizabeth. In our earliest prayer books here in the United States, we required that you pray the general thanksgiving any time that you prayed the daily office. And since then, it's become an optional prayer. But it remains a staple in my prayer life, as well as for many other Anglicans. Because the general thanksgiving is more than thank you. It's a prayer where we declare to live in this life transformed. That with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise not only with our lips, but in our lives. This is my daily prayer. It's my deepest longing, too. I suspect it might be yours as well. It's a big reason why we have this thing called worship each week. Why we show up, we sing, we pray, we listen, we celebrate. We're praising God. The meaning of the word Eucharist is thanksgiving. It's the center of it all. And we know that our lives are bigger than just here. They extend beyond those red doors. Living in a total transformation, total redemption means that we can say thank you. And praise God on other days besides just Sunday mornings. That we can take our redeemed and restored whole lives out into the world. When we give our time at OJ Sims or with refugees. When we're advocating for affordable housing. When we're honoring the dignity of every human being we're praising God and participating in that total transformation. When we share our talents, cooking, gardening, singing, dancing, saying thank you, participating in that total transformation. And then when we give our treasures back, back to God, truly thankful, we are praising God and participating in total transformation. Remember, Jesus didn't demand the Samaritan to say thank you. The Samaritan did it from a true place of thanksgiving and indebtedness for the new life he'd been given. Sometimes when I think, well, he just cured you, completely changed your life, and all you can do is bow and say thank you. It seems unequal. And I am in awe because it is enough. His faith was enough, enough to make him well. A simple thank you, I enjoyed it, was enough. We're not asked to move mountains. The size of our praise and thanksgiving, it doesn't matter. Jesus just wants us to be grateful and to share that, give it back to the world, to God. Because when we do, when we show forth praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, we witness the kingdom right now. And it is a glorious thing. Amen.